0: Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend
1: teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information, go to newhoperoanoke.com.
2: My name is Michaela, and on behalf of our New Hope family, welcome to Church Online. We are so glad to have you join us here today. As we move throughout the service, you can expect a time of worship through singing, a message from our lead pastor, Seth Bryant, as well as a time of communion and a time to give. If this is your first time joining us, we would love to connect with you. You can simply click the connect to your link that will be posted in the chat feature this will help us to get the information we need to get you connected whether you want to connect with a pastor ask for prayer or join one of our online groups or studies a link to give will also be shared in the chat feature this is a great way to give your tithes and offerings in an efficient way simply click the link that says give here and follow those instructions to give online remember you can also give by mailing in a check or texting to give kids and students also have resources available you'll see a link in the chat feature that will say kids and students to access those resources simply click that link as we begin our services today we just want to say thank you so much for joining us whether you've been with us online from week one or today is your very first time joining us we are so glad that you are here god is going to move and speak in and through this service and we cannot wait welcome to new hope online
0: Good morning, New Hope. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. My name is Jason. I'm the associate pastor here. And on behalf of our staff, to your family, we simply want to say happy Sunday. I want to let you know that our staff is available for prayer or for chat. We will be in the live chat right now. And if there's something we can do for you, simply let us know. We would love to connect with you this morning. On your way in, you saw a video that simply thanked our first responders, and I want to let you know about an opportunity that New Hope has this week to do that very thing. On Thursday evening, New Hope is going to be providing a meal for all of the doctors, nurses, and hospital staff at Carillion, and it is our way to simply say thank you for what they have done for our community in the midst of this outbreak. I also want to let you know about an opportunity you have to continue serving our neighborhood as well. This Tuesday and Wednesday, we will become a drop site once again for the Roanoke Rescue Mission from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have a need for lots of different items to continue reaching out and feeding those in our community who don't have the means to feed themselves. And we're going to be sending out a list of all of those needs today via social media, and we would encourage you, if you're able to, to please join in and drop it off Tuesday or Wednesday. Now, our lead pastor, Seth, has been taking us through a series called Wilderness. And we have been looking at the book of Exodus and seeing how the Israelites were brought from Egypt into the Promised Land. But he has been focusing on that time in between as they found themselves in the wilderness. And Seth has been pulling out biblical principles and teaching us how we navigate this time as we have found ourselves in a wilderness as well. And what we have been doing as we've been going along is we've been sharing stories from members of New Hope who have gone through their personal wilderness. And we hope this morning that as you hear the story of Patty and Arnie, that you will be encouraged and know that God can bring you through your wilderness
3: as well. Good morning. I'm Arnie. And I'm Patty. And we, we are, are the, the Stem Sackers. We're here to tell you our story of being in the desert. In August of 2012, Uh, we moved here to Roanoke with my job. And in September of 2012, I started exhibiting signs of my illness. After many consultations with many doctors, it was finally diagnosed as aplastic anemia. And December 1st of that year, I entered UVA for some treatments that were to help. And there was no guarantee that they would help me. But uh, we had hoped because the alternative was a bone marrow transplant. So, after 22 long days in the hospital, I finally arrived home uh, after, you know, just a very trying time. And we were alone with our Christmas tree and no presents. And I just began the fight of my life.
0: So, here we are in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, we just moved here. And um, we certainly didn't have a church family. We uh, didn't have any friends at this point and uh, no relatives. Uh, we were pretty much alone. My job was to be Patty's caretaker. 100% of my time was taking care of her and she was uh, uh, quite uh, helpless at the time and we did our best uh, to make it through.
3: We pretty much spent our days and nights crying and praying and crying and praying, and we quickly realized the only person that we could turn to for help was God. He was the only person that was going to be able to change the outcome for us. And we formed a relationship with Him that we had not previously had. Even though we always had felt like we were Christians growing up, uh, we really didn't have a close relationship with God until then. Since then, I've had two more treatments of the same, those same treatments that technically weren't supposed to work and by the grace of God I am here God's healing hands have brought us through and we are walking hand in hand with him right out of the desert
0: and now we have a wonderful church home with New Hope Christian Church we have many friends thanks to the church mostly and uh, we, we feel blessed we are very blessed uh, every day we feel God's blessings
3: every day So our message to you is that if you're going through a tough time in your life and you feel like you're alone in the desert, turn to God. He will get you through it, and he will guide you through every step of the way. And at the end, you will come out on the other side, a different person, a changed person, a blessed person, and a greater relationship with God. Amen.
4: As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, we invite you to sing this classic hymn with us. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The end Stained with blood so divine,
0: So in Exodus 19, we read the story of how Moses and the Israelites are camped at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And what is getting ready to take place is God is going to initiate the covenant through Moses to make Israel his people and to make himself their God. And in order to make this happen, God invites Moses up on the mountain to enter into this contract with him. And as Moses goes up on the mountain, there is a strict command that is given to the Israelite people and I want to read it to you it's found in verse 12 of chapter 19 it says this and you shall set limits for the people all around saying take care not to go up into the mountain or to touch the edge of it whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death and what's interesting about this is that as God is initiating this covenant no one is allowed to touch the mountain because God's very presence is gonna be there. And as we strike that in contrast to what Jesus did as he initiated that second covenant that allowed grace and mercy for all people, is it says in the gospels that Jesus breathed his last breath that the veil of the temple was actually torn in two. And there was no longer a boundary between us and God. There's no longer the fear that if we were to come before God, there would be death or repercussions. But we are now free because of what Jesus has done to enter into the presence of our God and be with Him. That's the beauty of communion, is we get the opportunity every single week to join with our brothers and sisters in Christ and come to the foot of the cross, come to the foot of God's throne, and simply be with Him. Over the next couple of moments, I would encourage you to get out your bread and your juice and spend some time thanking God for who he is and for what he has done and allowed us to come before him in his throne of grace. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, we are thankful, grateful people for what Jesus has done. We are uh, indebted to him for his work on the cross and we have found ourselves uh, in this new covenant, this new time, this new era in which we no longer have to be afraid of who God is or of his power and his might. Yes, we look in awe of it, God, but we now have the ability to go up on the mountain just like Moses, to enter into the holy of holies and be before your very presence. Thank you, God, for that opportunity. Thank you that you once again call us children of God and we simply get to embrace our father and be embraced by him. In these moments, God, we send our hearts and our minds and our souls back to the cross and we thank you for who Jesus is. And it is in his amazing name we pray this, amen.
1: Welcome, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, We are very excited about this series called Wilderness. Before we jump in there, I wanna say thank you to all of you for sticking with us as we continue to worship together online. Uh, Thanks for sharing, commenting, liking, your encouraging emails. We are so grateful to be with you in this together. We look forward to coming back together soon as well. I also wanna thank everybody who keeps giving. Thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness. We've heard stories about people giving some or all of their tax refund, some or all of the stimulus checks, and we are so grateful. That money is making a difference now and all over the world. Uh, Thank you for your partnership in this ministry together. I know many of you still continue to give to All In as well uh, as we think about the future, and all of these gifts are making a great difference, so thanks. When we hear about states beginning to plan, what what does a reopening look like? And as we think about that as a community of faith, we're beginning to recognize we need to find a new normal. That There's no going back. It's not like overnight we just go back to the way things were. In fact, what we're going to have to do is this stepped approach where slowly but surely we begin to reopen and there's really no going back To everything just like it was we have been forever changed and I just want to speak a word of encouragement to all of us that find ourselves in that place Uh, there's this passage in the book of Isaiah chapter 43 where the prophet he's writing about the exile that the people of God are going to go into but then he says you're not gonna stay there God's gonna bring you out of exile and this not only speaks to what we find ourselves in Isaiah he references the wilderness, this series that we're in as well. Here's what he says in chapter 43, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew the chariots and horses out, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, now I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I love that passage because when we find ourselves in a wilderness, what God wants to say is, remember, I took you through the Red Sea like we studied last week. Remember, I'm going to do this when you go into exile and come back out in the days of Isaiah and the years that follow. And the same is true for us. God, He wants to come into the place of our wilderness and He wants to do a new thing. He wants to bring streams. He wants to make a way where there is no way. And that's what we are realizing in this series, The Wilderness. Uh, whether you and I have a wilderness in our marriage or in our parenting, uh, maybe it's in our health or some loss that we've experienced. It could be in waiting for a job or a significant other. Uh, Perhaps for you and I, it's just in our loneliness or our depression that we feel a, a lack of direction, a lack of purpose, or we're trapped in some kind of addiction. God wants to meet us wherever we are, and He wants to give us a way forward. He wants to do something in your life and mine, and that's why I'm so excited about this series. What we learned last week is that God led his people out of Egypt, and he promised that he would take them into a new land that was flowing with milk and honey. But we're looking at just the in-between stage called the wilderness, the desert, where they learn some pretty hard lessons, things that they need to do and things that they shouldn't be doing. And these speak not only to them, they give us guidance as we face our own wilderness. So let's look at the next stop on this journey. Last week, we learned at the Red Sea that God makes a way where there is no way. And so what do we do when we find ourselves moving into the wilderness? We cry out to God. That's what they did. We cry out to Him. He hears us. And then He makes a way for us. And then today at our next stop, we're going to learn the next piece of the journey we find ourselves at Mount Sinai. This is an incredibly important story and it picks up in Exodus chapter 19. There we read this. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered into the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and you keep my commandment, my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There are no words, you are to, these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So God brings them through the Red Sea and to the mountain of God. They're in the middle of the desert. They're in the wilderness in Sinai. And God calls Moses up on the mountain and he says, here's what I want you to tell my people. He he wants them to say, you saw what I did in Egypt. You remember all the stuff that just happened? Essentially, he's saying this, now you see, now you see, you see who I am. And then he's saying, I want you to, number two, obey me. When you obey me fully, when you enter into this covenant with me, you will be my people. You will show the world who I am. Now you see, obey me, and then you will be. Here's your new identity. Because of our covenant relationship, you are a new people. And uh, he says three things about this new people, their new identity. He says they are a treasured possession. This is so amazing. It's like royal property. And then he goes on to tell them that they're a kingdom of priests, which means they have access to God. And then finally, they're a holy nation. Out of all of the other nations of the world, they are a nation set apart and they will show the rest of the world who God is as he works in them and through them. Now, Moses, he isn't new to the wilderness. This is familiar territory. So as Moses approaches this mountain, he's been on this terrain before because you remember Moses' life. He grew up for 40 years in Egypt in the palace of Pharaoh. And then he had to flee for his life. He went into the wilderness for 40 years. That's where God ultimately calls him at the burning bush and he's to go back and lead the people for the next 40 years out into the new place, doing the new thing that God is going to do for them. So Moses, he's able to lead the Israelites through the wilderness because he's already been there before. I mean, of course, he can lead them because it's ultimately God that is guiding, the, the pillar of cloud, uh, the, the, the fire. But God often does a work in us before he does a work through us. He does something to you and me and then later we are able to use that experience to do the new thing that God is asking us to do. And that's where Moses finds himself. So Moses had been here before maybe you heard the news recently. Uh, Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay now, and he has not been there before. Uh, He has spent 19 years playing for the Patriots, and now the 42, almost 43-year-old NFL quarterback is in a brand new territory, and he's had a few faux pas along the way. He was in a park that was closed. He was working out. He wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, They had to kick him out. And then uh, this one was quite funny. He went to his offensive coordinator's house. He pulls up to Brian Leftwich's house, and as he goes in, he actually realizes that he's in the wrong house. Now, take take a look at this picture. We can't be too hard on him. These two places look so similar. Uh, There on the right is where he's supposed to be, and he walks into the house on the left. He walks in carrying his duffel bag. He throws it down, and The owner of the house, he's sitting there working at the island, and he looks up, startled because a a big man has just (laughs) entered into his home. And he says, "Uh, hey, how's it going? And the the, the owner of the home says, I don't know. You tell me. And Brady realizes, "Uh uh-oh. He says, am I in the wrong house? And the guy says, I think so. About then he realizes who it is, but he's frozen. He He can't ask for an autograph. He can't ask for a picture. He doesn't know what to do. He just freezes up. Brady says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Grabs his duffel and out. The the homeowner said, I've never seen someone leave a house so fast in my whole life. Well, my favorite part of the story is how Brady has a sense of humor about this. Uh, Take a look at this tweet. Uh, He posted, trespassing in parks, breaking and entering, just making myself at home in Tampa Bay, right? Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Well, We see that other people make mistakes, that other people have these faux pas, and it actually gives us some hope because we know we are much like them. It makes us feel better about ourselves. And the people of Israel, the people of God, are about to make a terrible mistake. Uh, There's so much to learn from Mount Sinai, but as we look at this through the lens of wilderness, we're going to see that God is trying to do something in them in this moment and they absolutely miss it. So Moses, he's up on the mountain from Exodus 19 through the next 12 chapters. He's receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, and all of the instructions. And while he's up there, 40 days and 40 nights, the people, they get restless. And they decide, we're going to take things into our own hands. And here's what we read in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. They aren't willing to wait. They want to take control of the situation, and they want to move things forward in their own time and in their own way. And this was their sin. This was their mistake. Now, before we're too hard on everyone, we need to realize a few things. First, Aaron, the reason he gives in is because they are coercing him. In the Hebrew language, this is actually a threat to his own life. Now, he's still guilty. This doesn't excuse what he's done. But It gives light to why he would agree to take their gold and then to fashion it into a calf and then to give it to the people and say, these are your gods who brought you up out of Egypt. Another insight is not just on Aaron, but on the people. You see, they have only known for 400 years slavery in the land of Egypt. Uh, They've known the many gods. Uh, They barely remember the promise that God gave to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who he wanted them to be. And so they, as Jeff Mannion says in his book, The Land Between, they they left Egypt as an unruly mob of ex-slaves, deeply indoctrinated in generations of idol worship. That's who they are. That's what they were. I like how one person says it. He says that they had left Egypt but Egypt had not yet left them. And that's why we see them reverting to these old practices. You and I do the same thing, don't we? We go back to what we know. We cling to the past. We try to go back and pick up the things that we should have put down a long time ago. Is there something that we're still holding on to? Something from Egypt that we need to give up? God has given us a new identity God is calling us to a new place. And in the wilderness, he does this hard work on our souls so that we become the kinds of people that he intended for us to be all along. What do we need to lay down? What do we need to learn at Mount Sinai? What do we need to learn in our own wilderness moment? You see, we already said this last week. God, he's not concerned about the destination as much as he is the journey. God isn't so interested in where we live. He's more interested in who we become. And so that's why God brings them to the mountain in the first place. Why are they at Sinai? So that they can learn who God is and who God has called them to be. He gives them a law and these are the new way that they can live. These are the boundaries by which they can thrive. They will experience God in life to the fullest. And all of the people of the world will see that they are different if they will follow his commands. So this is why they go to the mountain. This is what God is doing in this moment. And it strikes me that we are often impatient like the Israelites. We don't like to wait, do we? I mean, sports hasn't been on TV for a little while and we're going crazy. So when the last dance dropped last week, or when the NFL draft happens, we're like, yeah, baby, sports are back. Uh, we, we did not like waiting for sports. As boring as the draft can actually be, we're, we're pretty excited, right? Uh, or maybe we think of this like our kids. Our kids, they want a new toy. Uh, they want a pet. Uh, they want something. And it's that nagging, the pulling, the asking over and over. And frankly, we don't want to give our kids everything that they want as soon as they want it, why? because they'll become spoiled brats. (laughs) And God knows that there's some work that needs to be done on you and me in the wilderness. He wants to do the work of perseverance. He wants to give us a perspective of humility and of gratitude. God wants to teach us patience. You see, God's view of time is different than ours. He left his people in Egypt for 400 years, trying to make them into a certain kind of people. He is going to take them through the wilderness for 40 more years. They're going to spend one year at Mount Sinai. And so God, He is not nearly as uh, uh, intuitive to time as we are. We feel it more acutely. God, outside of time, He's trying to create something in us. And we would do well to learn from the Israelites and to see what is it that God is doing in our wilderness so that we can move through it the way he intends. Well, here's the lesson. What lesson do we learn? First, we don't do what the Israelites did. Uh, We do not try to take control of the situation and worship other gods, to go to our own satisfaction and fulfillment. Don't take control. Only control the things that we can control, which ultimately is this. We realize we can't control anything because God is the one who's in control. So, so you and I, we learn in our wilderness moments, it's a highlighting effect that we aren't in control and it scares us. So let's trust the one who is. And the second thing that we learn, and this is the real lesson for us today, is we need to wait on the Lord. He wants to reveal himself on the mountain. He wants to make a covenant relationship with us and we have to be willing to do the work of waiting. And as we wait, I know that sounds passive, but God is working in the waiting. And then there's also some work that we can do ourselves in the waiting. Let me talk about those for just a moment. God is working in the waiting even when we don't see it. Think about Moses. He was a baby that was born. The people were still in slavery. They didn't know that God was moving. And then Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. They still didn't see the work that God was doing in the waiting. And then finally, they have a deliverer. After he spends time away, he comes back to deliver and save God's people. God was working in the waiting. They just couldn't see it. And the same is true for you and I. And then not only this, there's some work that you and I can do in the waiting. We have an opportunity to become the kind of people that we should have been in the first place. This is a season where we can work on ourselves so that coming out of this on the other side, we will be who we're supposed to be. Maybe you've seen the story floating around about Isaac Newton. This guy was an incredible genius. He's famous for being a mathematician, a physicist, an astronomer, a theologian, an author. He has quite a resume. But did you know that when he was at college in Cambridge, that in 1665, in his early 20s, a pandemic broke out. It was the great plague of London. And so they sent all of their students home to social distance. And while he spent a year away from college, he flourished because he gave himself fully to the work that he had to do. Uh, he was thinking, he was inventing. He was being creative. And you could say this, that during that year while he worked at home, he invented these three things. First, he created calculus, all right? Not too shabby. All the students, you, you hate this guy now, right? But he invented calculus, pretty impressive. His theories on optics were created during this time. And also there was this apple tree by his house where That's where he figured out gravity, this apple falls and hits him in the head, you know, that kind of story. So he did some pretty impressive work in the waiting while he was to stay at home. And you and I, we can learn from that. We can do the same. God is working in the waiting and we we can experience the work of God in our lives in these moments if we'll surrender to him, if we'll fully obey him, if we'll become who he's asked us to be. If all we get out of this quarantine is 15 extra pounds from snacking, or if, if all we get out of this quarantine is a quarantined baby uh, in nine months from now, we will not have learned all that God wants to teach us and do in us in this season. So let me ask these questions. Are you praying? Are you crying out to God as we learned last week? Is there some time in your schedule where you can invest in hearing from God, reading His Word, studying and meditating on what He wants to do in your life, in your family, in our community of faith? Are there opportunities for you to serve those around you? It's a little bit harder now that we're socially distanced, but can we serve someone with compassion and in doing so, uh, they experience the love of God? Maybe it's sending a text or giving an encouraging word to someone. Whatever it is, these are the kinds of things that do work on us in a wilderness period and we come out on the other side stronger. We come out the way God intended for us to come out. That's what Mount Sinai is all about, meeting God and being transformed by him. Man, what if we all came to the mountain and we spent time waiting on God, and we experience the transformation that only He can do in our lives. How different would we be when we come back together? Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13 and 14, it says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Really, that's the takeaway today to be strong, to take heart and to wait on the Lord. You know, there's a few things that we need to point out about this story. The first one is that Mount Sinai teaches us that God saves and delivers us. When we are in our sin, when we are in Egypt, God meets us in that place and he saves us. We can never earn our salvation long before we clean ourselves up. There's nothing we can do. God does it for us. And for that, we're so thankful. And then God invites us into a new way of life. After he saves us, he invites us into this covenant relationship where we honor him and we reflect him. That's what Mount Sinai is all about. But the lesson we learn with this lens of wilderness on our eyes today is this, that we have to wait at the mountain. Don't take control. Don't take things into your own hands impatiently. Slow down. Let God do the work in us of waiting. Be strong, take heart, and wait on the Lord. Learn His timing, trust His ways, and then we'll experience all that He has for us. You know, the two things that we've seen so far last week, what do we do in our wilderness? We cry out to God, and then we follow the path He gives us. And the second thing is this, we wait on the Lord. And we realize he's working in the waiting, and he's going to bring us through this. So we should take heart. We should be strong and take heart and wait in the Lord. You know, the last thing is this, Moses. Moses, he is actually a mediator for the people. The rest of the story is he breaks the tablets, and he has to go get them, and God sends a plague, and then he delivers the people and and he wants to destroy all of them. But Moses says, God, no, 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 take me, blot me out, not the people. And what he does in that moment is foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us, that God became human and he took on himself our sin. And through the cross and through the resurrection, we have an opportunity now to have a right relationship with God. He saves and delivers us and then he is still our mediator, Jesus at the right hand of God, interceding for you and me, and we get to pray to God, doing this work of crying out, doing this work of waiting on the Lord and seeing what he is up to. If we'll have eyes to see, then we in retrospect will realize, oh wow, God was doing something amazing in our our midst. Uh, We just didn't see it at that time, but we've learned to trust him because he is good and he is faithful. In all things, let's pray. God, we are grateful to learn these important lessons. Uh, You give us the wisdom of history. Uh, You give us an opportunity now to to learn what we should and shouldn't do uh, from the people of Israel. And I pray that you would give us the ability to lean into this moment, to lean into this season of waiting and trusting so that we honor you and we come out on the other side of this fully obedient, learning uh, to live the way that you intended, experiencing all that you have for us in this life. We thank you most of all for Jesus who makes that possible, and we pray this in his name. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today for Church Online. Our pastoral staff is online and available in the chat to take any prayer requests or to help you get connected. You can also connect with us through the virtual lobby. You'll see the link to that in the chat as well. You can visit our church website, newhopegrownup.com, to find more ways to get connected. We hope to see you next week.